technical difficulties can't keep us from worshiping, so we're going to do that. So, uh, baptism next Sunday, just a reminder of that. Scott came to me uh, a couple months ago, man, I want to be baptized. I said, man, we should at least wait for the ice to come off the lake. <laughs> and and <clears throat> ice is off, he's back, we're going. So, uh, anybody wants to be baptized next Sunday, you can also join in, uh, talk with me about that. Um, quite a few years ago, I uh, had come up with the idea uh, of spending a few months doing a series that I decided to call Sermons by Request. And, uh, you know, I, I grew up in the church, so, I mean, I've heard a, a lot of sermons in my life. And I remember sitting in church and, and thinking, I wonder why the pastor never preaches about and then you could fill in the blank with whatever I happened to be thinking about at that time. And that didn't mean, of course, that the pastor hadn't or wouldn't preach on that topic. It just means I hadn't heard it uh, or seen it. And uh, I figured, you know, if I felt that way, probably there's a lot of other people that feel that way as well. So maybe you've been uh, coming to church for a long time and you've thought to yourself, I've always wanted to know what this verse means. You know, you've come across a verse, and you're like, or, or why is that story in the Bible? You know, that type of thing. Or, or you wonder, how should Christians respond to this issue that's going on in, in uh, current culture? Um, or what does the Bible have to say about this particular topic, some topic that's on your mind? Well, now... Now's your chance to put in your request for that. Now, I, I, I want to start this with uh, a couple caveats. Um, first, uh, you'll see the, the, the sermon by request thing in here. I want you to know that does not mean to limit you to one request per person. Um, you, can, you can turn in as many as you want. And you don't have to put, it has a spot for your name, but you don't have to put that on there but you might want to consider putting your name on there because I don't know if you've noticed this in life or not, but sometimes communication can be hard. And and so you may put down a request thinking I'm going to preach about this, and I see that request and I preach about something over here, and you're like, wait, that's not what I really wanted. So in case I have questions to clarify or or that type of thing, you you might want to consider that on. But you you don't have to. You can be anonymous if you want. Uh, Second... uh, I plan on doing this series for a while, uh, but I may end up getting a lot more requests than the length of time I plan to do this, which is great. Actually, I hope I do uh, because that gives me more options uh, from from which to choose. But I, I just want to apologize right up front if I don't get to yours, okay? It's nothing personal. Uh, 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 I, I just had so many others that I was thinking about doing. Uh, even though I'm taking all these requests from, from all of you, I'm still praying and seeking God and saying, you know, what, which ones do you really want me to cover? Which ones might be the most helpful for the greatest number of people uh, here? So uh, I, I, uh, if I don't get to your request um, and you really wanted to know about that, well, come up and, and talk to me, and, and we'll, we'll go over that uh, one-on-one sometime. Third, uh, you can turn in whatever request you want, but I reserve the right to modify it <laughs> um, 
as, as I see best. I, I may need to broaden or, or narrow the topic down something or, or, or specify, you know, something like that So just to make it work. But just, just understand those things as we get started. So with all that in mind, uh, let's, let's, let's get started. Last Sunday, as uh, Fernando had mentioned, uh, uh, we just had a great uh, time of worship together for Easter, and the theme of the message was the joy of Easter. And uh, uh, interestingly enough, someone made a request even before uh, last Sunday in, in that message to hear a sermon on joy. And they told me that they believe joy is incredibly important for Christians, and I agree. So we're going to focus on that. Turn with me in your Bible to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. And uh, I actually referenced this verse last Sunday in the Easter message, uh, but today we're going to look at it more thoroughly, uh, dive into it more fully by taking a reporter's look at it, okay? And, you know, reporters are asking the who, what, when, where, why, and how questions. So that's what we're going to do with this. John chapter 15, verse 11, and to follow along as I read it out loud, it says this, These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Father God, thank you so much for uh, just the opportunity to worship today. God, for how much you love us. And may we be reminded of that all the time. God, because Jesus lives, we are so grateful and thankful for that. And and we do want to celebrate that reality and the reality of the resurrection all year long. So, God, we're so grateful for that. And we're grateful for your Holy Spirit, which you've given to lead, to guide, and especially to illuminate, work in our hearts as we look at Scripture. So, God, we pray the Holy Spirit be free to do his work in us today. And, God, as we look at this subject of joy, just fill us to overflowing with that joy that you give. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, many of you, you know that uh, typically I, I like to end my sermons with, you know, some type of practical application for our lives. And that's because uh, when, we, when we come to preaching and, and come to the Scripture, we don't study the Bible just to gain information, just to increase our knowledge. We study it because we want God to transform our lives. We want, we want Him to change us. And, and one of the primary ways that that happens is when we choose to put into practice those things that, that we're learning. So hence the need for application type of uh, uh, thoughts. Well, today, uh, just for the fun of it, I'm going to give you an application thought before we do the sermon. Okay, so, so um, a little bit different approach. But this application is for anyone who has ever said, well, I, I know we're supposed to read and, and study the Bible on our own, but it's so hard because I don't ever get anything out of it when, when I'm reading on my own. If, if that's something you've ever felt or said or, or, or come across, well, then, then this is for you. Not because of the topic that we're going to be looking at, but instead because of the way we're going to approach the topic this morning. 
Um, and and uh, we are, as I said, going to be taking this uh, reporter question approach uh, to it. And that is a method that you can use on your own all the time. And, and you can do it like we're going to do this morning with just a single verse. Oh, you could take a paragraph. You could take a chapter in the Bible. You could take a whole story that might span several chapters. And, and you could use this same method, this same technique with it, asking these various questions. So um, you, you, uh, um, you, you just ask who, what, when, where, why, how, these types of questions. And if you do that, I guarantee you, I, I just personally guarantee you that you'll start getting stuff out of your own uh, personal Bible study reading time. And even if you can't or, or um, don't know the answer to some of those questions, uh, the ones that you do answer uh, will give you food for thought to chew on that verse, and they're going to be helpful. So, so basically, if you kind of follow the model, pay attention to, to what we're doing today, you can do that on your own tomorrow. And, and uh, just letting you know, it really doesn't matter what order you ask and answer those reporter questions in. Um, you can follow the same order that I'm doing today. But truth be told, I actually arranged them in this order after I did my study just because I thought it would flow better preaching-wise. So you just take the questions in any order. With that in mind, let's, let's get a, a started uh, with what we're doing here. Um, begin with the who question. Okay, we're looking at this verse, and, and who? who? Who's in this verse, right? And, and there are two separate characters um, um, presented in, in this verse, an I and a you, right? That's, that's the two people that are in this verse, I and you. And the I is simple to identify, right? Because the I is the person speaking. And, and if you... Uh, go back then and read the whole context, it's easy to figure out who is speaking and, and we find out that it's Jesus. And you can even cheat on this. Not that I recommend cheating very often, but you, you can cheat on this because if you have like one of those red letter Bibles, then you already know it's Jesus uh, uh, speaking just because of that. But you, you go back, you read the, the context and, and you find out uh, that Jesus is at what we call the Last Supper, right? And he has been teaching his disciples numerous things. So this particular statement is just one small part of the bigger whole. But, but the point is that we can easily identify that this particular character who is speaking is Jesus. He is the I in this verse. And that means that uh, there's only one other who that we have yet to ascertain in this verse, and, and that is the you. Who, who's the you that is being talked about there? And again, by reading the entire context, we discover that the you is the 12 disciples, right? They were in a, they were in a borrowed room uh, in Jerusalem, sharing the Passover meal together, and Jesus is speaking directly to them. However, we also know that whenever Jesus is, is teaching his disciples truths about their, their spiritual life, those truths do not apply and are not limited to just the 12 disciples, right? They, they were for all of his followers. And, and not just his, all his followers while he was down there on earth, but for every one of his disciples or followers down through the ages, which means 
the you in this verse would include every person in this room who has given their life to Jesus Christ. If you've come to Him in faith, if you've, if you've been saved, if you've accepted Him, then that applies to you. That's you. And if that's true of you, then this you is for you because you are you. I hope everybody followed that because I'm only saying it once. You are in that verse. Okay, so think about that. That's, that's pretty cool, right, when you think about it? What that means is that you can substitute that pronoun you for your own name, and it would still be an accurate reading of that verse, which then, of course, makes this truth that is being presented very, very personal for us. So for me, instance, I, I could read this verse like this. These things I have spoken to Mark so that my joy may be in Mark, and Mark's joy may be full. And and we already identified that the I is Jesus, right? So so if you want to make it even more personal, you, you, you you can read it like this. These things Jesus has spoken to Mark, so that Jesus' joy may be in Mark, and Mark's joy may be complete. Is that awesome? I mean, I think you should go ahead and try it. Insert your own name and do that. Seriously, right now. You got it up there. Read it out with your name in there. Out loud. You can actually read it out loud. Go ahead and go ahead and give it a try. These things. Okay, that was really pathetic. I know it's early in the morning. But this is an awesome truth. This is great. So try and read this with some conviction of what's happening. Try it again out loud. Let's start together. Ready? These things I have spoken to. (laughs) Hey, that's powerful stuff, isn't it? It's you that's in that verse. It's true of you. Um, Jesus wants to fill you with his joy. That, that's what he's saying right there. And, and, and we got all of that just from answering the who question on this, but we got uh, you know, five more questions to answer, so we got to keep moving along here. Uh, let's go to the what question, that is, what are we talking about? Again, really simple to, to discern what the main subject here is, especially since he repeats it uh, there uh, joy, right? Jesus is talking about joy, and he's, you know, saying a couple different things about it in this verse, but, but for us to fully un, um, understand or answer that question, what, what is joy, we, we need to ask, you know, okay, what is joy that he is wanting to give? And if I was to put you on the spot and make you write a definition of joy for our church dictionary, right, what would you put down? And I believe that, you know, many of us would put down words like, well, it's, it's happiness, excitement, pleasure, delight, maybe glee, depending on your personality, right? Uh, you, you put these types of things down. And I want you to understand, joy is all of those things. But 
if, if you look at the Bible, it doesn't take long to realize that, that there's a difference between that inward experience of, of real joy and that outward expression, which oftentimes comes across as, as happiness or uh, appears that way. And, and, and so I was doing some study on it this week. I found out that there are 25 different words in the Hebrew and 10 different Greek words that have been translated in, into English joy or some form of the word joy, joyfully rejoice, you know, this type of thing. 35 different words. I mean, no wonder we have a hard time nailing down a, a, a biblical definition of it. Um, so the, the biblical idea of joy, it does include those things we, we talked about, you know, happiness, gladness, and all that kind of stuff, but it goes so much deeper than that. As you read all these things in the context, it includes the idea of satisfaction, contentment, uh, assurance, peace, hope. All those things are tied into the biblical idea and concept of joy. And the one thing that sets, that sets the biblical uh, joy apart uh, from, you know, like mere happiness or gladness is the source, right? Happiness comes from favorable circumstances. When things go well, or, or they turn out the way you hoped they would turn out, or, or, or some unexpected good thing occurs, then that produces feelings of happiness that we enjoy. But of course, those feelings can disappear just as fast as they came. When things don't go the, your way, when the opposite of what you hoped for happens when bad circumstances crash in around you. Then those feelings of happiness disappear. Biblical joy, on the other hand, is rooted in the unchanging source of God himself. And that's why you read things in the Bible like, Rejoice in the Lord Always, again, I will say rejoice. It's in the Lord. It's His unchanging. You know, the best that the world can say is, don't worry, be happy, right? Which makes for a really catchy tune and, and, and is actually a pretty good philosophy to try to live by. But you know what? That, that statement, it doesn't give you the power or the resources to do it. For the believer, the source of our joy is God, and He gives us the power to experience that joy. He does that because He loves us deeply, because He pours out His grace upon us. He, ex he extends mercy every time we need it. He, he will never abandon us. He will never forsake us. He will lead us and guide us. And even though we are, are living in this broken and, and sin-cursed world, He has promised ultimate good to us. Ultimate good. We know that. 
That's coming. That's his promise. So all of us, just like the Apostle Paul, are able to say, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Right? Ultimately, we know it's all going to be good. So because of what we have right now, in Jesus Christ because of what we have right now through our relationship with God and because of what we know ultimately waits before us, we have joy. And, and, and you can see that source uh, even in, in our verse that, that we're looking at this morning, right? Look again at John 15, 11, uh, and, and look at this as we move on to our next question of where, right? Notice where this verse says our joy comes from. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy, Jesus speaking, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. You, you, it's obvious, right? You see, the source is Jesus Christ himself. It is his joy that he's sharing with us. It is, it is him giving us his joy. So, so the first uh, right answer of where is this joy? Well, this joy is found in Jesus. It's his joy. But, but, but it gives us a second point of where too, right? Because the joy is, is in Jesus, but it ends up being deposited in us. That's the two points of where. It's in Jesus, but it's also going to us. It, it originates in Him and freely bestowed on us. And, and this, this is important, so we need to repeat it. Where does our joy come from? It comes from God. It comes from Jesus Himself. And that's, that's really key for us to remember because it is so easy for us to fall prey to the world's way of thinking which says that joy comes either from what we have or from what's going on in our life. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever said or felt like your joy was robbed from you? It was stolen. It it, it was taken away. Have you ever said that, felt that way? I mean, I know I have more, more than once. But guess what a statement like that betrays? See, when we say something like that, that exposes the fact that we are looking to something else, a relationship, a paycheck, circumstances, a, a favorable outcome, whatever it might be, we're giving and relying on something else to be our source of joy if it can be stolen for us other than Jesus because Jesus cannot be taken. Now again, I, I'm not saying this to make anybody feel guilty. I mean, I, I have been there numerous times myself. Uh, I'm saying it to remind us that we have a source of joy that cannot be taken away from us. It cannot be stolen no matter what the circumstances are that we might be going through. And that is why the Christian can have joy even in the midst uh, of the most trying or heartbreaking situations. 
And again, now please don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. That doesn't mean that the believers were going to be giddy and happy and jumping around with smiley faces all the time, right? That's not the way it works. There will be times of pain and sorrow and hurt. But we can still have joy. And that leads us right into the next question, which is when, right? When can we have this joy? And, and there's two main answers to that. Um, the first, since the source uh, of this joy is Jesus himself, then it stands to reason that you can only receive it when you are in relationship with Jesus Christ, Right? I mean, that's, that's what he says. It's my joy and he's giving it to you, but you have to be in relationship to see that. Have you ever, have you ever noticed or maybe been in a situation where you've received like great comfort or peace or, or, or joy from some particular verse or some passage in Scripture? And, and maybe you have a non-Christian friend and you're trying to explain that to them and, and their eyes kind of glaze over and, and they look at you like... And, and, and maybe they even say something like, well, okay, whatever works for you. And you just know they're not getting it. And the reason for that is because they're not in relationship with God. I mean, we see how that works out in 1 Corinthians 2.14 where it says, but a natural man, that means one who's not saved, a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually uh, appraised. So, So that first answer to the when question is relationship with Jesus. We get joy when we're in relationship with Jesus. So maybe you say, well, okay, I, I get that, but man, I've given my life to Christ. I'm, I'm following Jesus now, so, so when do I get to experience his joy? And, and then the second answer then is you get to experience it anytime and all the time. Since it's not based on circumstances or what you have or don't have in this life, but on your relationship with God through Jesus Christ, then that means His joy is available to you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days out of the year, right? I mean, think about, think about the situation where Jesus is teaching this here, right? He, he is um, saying that His joy which is so full, so vast, so complete that he can share it with us and it will make our joy full. He's talking about that just as he's getting ready to be betrayed by one of his close disciples and beaten and whipped and crucified. And he knows that's all happening and he's talking about his joy. And if he can have joy when he is facing that, we can have joy no matter what we're facing. So now the obvious question is, how, right? How can we possibly have joy when we're suffering, when our world is falling apart, when everything is going wrong? Well, look at the verse again. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Jesus makes it clear 
that his joy comes by means of the things that he has spoken to us. And, and since the whole Bible uh, is, is called the word of Christ, it's not actually just the red letter words that Jesus has spoken, right? It's, it's all of Scripture. Which means we can have and experience His joy when we hear and understand and accept and then choose to live by those things He has spoken. The Bible. Okay? Four, four steps you see in there, right? First, we have to hear them. And for us, that primarily means reading and, and listening to the Word of God, which then could also mean listening to good sermons or reading books, good books that are based on, on Scripture. Those are ways we can hear what He says. We have to know what Jesus said, first of all, to experience that joy. And then we have to properly understand it, which means a little bit of study, putting things in context, making sure things don't get taken out of context or, or twisted around to mean something different. And so you compare Scripture to Scripture. But hearing and understanding is not enough. Maybe you've noticed or maybe you've even experienced in your own life where you can come to church or you've seen people that go to church and they hear and they see and understand a lot of Scripture, but they just don't seem to have much joy in their life. And I would contend it's because they haven't finished the progression here. They're, they're not taking the next two steps, which are one, we, the next two, uh, I guess, would be step three, right? We also have to accept, which means we, we have to choose to believe what Jesus is saying and finally, then we have to determine to live by it, to put it into practice. And that's how we receive and are filled with the joy that Jesus wants to give. And that's not something you just do once. That's not a process where you can say, okay, I hear that today in church, and I'm just going to, right now, I'm going to... Uh, Hey, God, yep, I heard, I, I, I listen and I accept, and I'm going to live by, and now I'm filled with joy forevermore. Um, it, it doesn't work quite that way. It's something that you have to do day by day, sometimes even minute by minute. There are times when I know and understand exactly what Jesus has said. I've even accepted that as true but instead of choosing to live by that I choose to do my own thing to go my own way to figure it out myself to handle it myself whatever and that always hinders the joy that Jesus wants to share with me so if you if you short circuit on any of those four steps, then you'll suffer a, a, a lack of joy that God has in store for us. So, so again, it's, it's, it's very important. The how is very important. We hear. We understand. We accept. And then we choose to live or put into practice. Now, a good reporter always asks one final question. Why? Why is this joy so important? 
And, and there are a, a number of different reasons or answers I could give to that question, but I'm just going to leave you with one today as, as we close off and finish. Um, put out the challenge as, as you're going out to lunch afterwards or doing whatever you're doing. You can come up with two or three more just by thinking about it. But here's the one I want to give you as we end. Nehemiah 8.10 says, For the joy of the Lord is my strength. That joy that he gives and imparts to you, the joy that comes from him, that comes from God, is your strength. So who in here thinks that we need some strength for living the Christian life in this world? Yeah? Isn't it great to realize that we find that strength in the joy that God wants to give us and, and for us to experience. And that strength, that, that joy of the Lord is our strength. It, by the way, that word strength in that verse there, it, it means this. Um, it is a place or a means of safety, protection, refuge, or a stronghold. That's what that root word strength means. Man, the truth is we will all face difficult times. There will be circumstances that we hate that just crash around us. People will hurt or disappoint us. Situations uh, will conspire to bring us down. And we need an extra dose of God's strength to stand and to persevere. And we can find that strength by running to Him and receiving that joy that he wants to offer us even in the midst of trial and pain and hardship. A joy that is ours because it is built on his promises and his character which will never change and cannot be taken away from you. Therefore, a joy that cannot be stolen. And that's pretty awesome, isn't it? Father God, we thank you that our lives are not just dependent upon the things that happen to us or the things we have, but rather our joy comes from you and, and that your desire, your, your, your statement that you want is to make our joy full, complete, overflowing, and you do that in relationship with you and when we run to you and put into practice those things that you have spoken to us. So God, we thank you for that. We pray these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.